Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. The Apostle Paul says to the church in Galatians, Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your life. Until Christ is fully developed in your life. Father, I thank you for the incredible opportunities that we've had to worship you today, for the time that we've had in your presence as we've approached your throne of grace and offered up to you what you so richly deserve. I pray now, Lord, that we settle in as Mary did at your feet, that we settle in and we listen to what you have to say to us that we're not so busy and so burdened by all the other things that we have going on in our lives that we miss what you said is the most important thing. And that's sitting at your feet and hearing your voice. I pray that we all hear your voice today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I know we live in a digital age. Hopefully I'm not aging myself, dating myself here, but I think most everybody has seen a Polaroid picture, right? Have y'all been to a museum and seen a Polaroid (laughs) picture? So uh, you take the picture and it pops right out. It's, It's pretty much just blank, but given enough time and the correct conditions, pretty quickly you can start making out the the image of what the picture was supposed to be. Eventually, it's crystal clear, if you flap it just right, it's crystal clear because it's fully developed. Paul said in, the, in our opening scripture that his heart for the Galatians was that they continue to grow and mature in Christ until Christ is fully developed or fully formed in them. Becoming a fully developed disciple of Jesus is not as fast as a Polaroid. Boy, boy, I wish it was like three minutes and you're done. That's just not, it's not how that works. As a matter of fact, it's going to take you the rest of your life. The path to becoming like Jesus starts on the inside first, and then it shows up on the outside. You get the inside right, and the outside starts to come into focus. The outside starts to get clearer and clearer for those who are watching your life. And that's why we need to get fully developed. That's why Paul wanted them to get fully developed, because we're the only Jesus people are ever going to see. And there's nothing worse than a fuzzy representation of Christ on this earth, a fuzzy picture when it comes to issues of eternity. So today's message, if you hadn't guessed it already, is fully developed, fully developed. And we're going to talk about uh, three countercultural concepts that we need to learn for ourselves. And since this is baby dedication day, uh, that we also need to teach to our kids if we're going to see Christ fully developed in all of us. It applies to raising kids 
but you don't have to have kids to hear the message today. You don't even have to like kids. You, you don't even, maybe you never even were a kid, and that's okay. You don't, you, you, if you want people to be able to look at you and see Jesus, if you want Christ to be fully developed in you or in your kids, then this message is for you. So let's jump right on in. Here's the first thing that we have to do. We have to learn how to fight. We have to learn how to fight. Now, I've got several scriptures that I want you to see here. Revelation 2 and 7 in the New King James says this. Revelation 2 and 7 in the Bible <laughs> that you have on your phones. And that since I don't have my glasses on, I can't see on the pulpit. So here's, here's what it says. To him who overcomes, I will give of the water of life freely. It says it seven times, so if I'm quoting the wrong one, just look at the other six. Hey, there it is. Uh, let's go to verse seven, if we can. Verse seven. It's, it's worth waiting on, y'all. I promise it's good. This is good stuff. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. You know Jesus is talking? Jesus is talking. If we'll have ears to hear, we can hear what he says. To everyone who is victorious or to everyone who overcomes, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. To everyone who overcomes. Psalm 144 and verse 1. Psalm 144 and verse 1. Praise the Lord who is my rock. He, the Lord, trains my hands for war, for war, and gives my fingers skill for battle. Judges chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. These are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test the Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. Ephesians chapter 6, you, if you've been to church for, for a couple of months, you've heard this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you, you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Amen? You've got to learn how to fight. The idea of fighting has, has people on both extremes, right? On one side, you've got some people who will tell you that believers should be docile and harmless, that fighting is wrong and should be eliminated from our lives. On the other extreme, you have people who claim the name of Jesus who fight about everything. They are hypersensitive to every perceived threat or slight. They lash out and demand their way. They defend to the death every opinion and perception that has ever passed through their brains. 
fighting about everything is no better than fighting about nothing. They're, they're both ditches, and neither of those look anything like Jesus. Jesus was a fighter. He was a fighter. I thought Jesus came in peace. I thought he came to draw people to himself. He fought the forces of evil. He fought the spirits of religion. He fought his human emotions. He fought all the way to the cross, and he was victorious. I'm talking about learning for yourself and instilling in your kids the principles of warfare. We need to know how to fight, but we need to know which fights are worth it and who the real enemy is. John, why do we need to know how to fight? Because we're in a war. Whether we recognize it or not doesn't change the fact that there's warfare all around us. But it's not the fight about the color of the carpet. It's the fight against the enemy who's trying to divide the church, right? It's not the fight the married couple had about the budget or the laundry or the dishes. It's the realization that this is the third fight this week about stupid stuff. And we've got to fight together for the peace and unity of our house, right? The wise warrior learns to find the real fight and then engage in that fight. But you've got to be taught. You've got you to learn how to discern what the battle really is. Eight times in the book of Revelation, Jesus sent a message and a promise to him who overcomes. To him who overcomes. Well, what's an overcomer? It's somebody who faced an overwhelming obstacle but fought through it and won. They fought through it and won. Jesus said, you are more than conquerors, right? The old song said, you're overcomers in his name. I'm so tired of seeing people lay down at the first hint of resistance. Things get a little tough. Things get a little tight. Things get a little inconvenient. And they just lay down. I'm here to tell you today, if you're going to grow into the men and women of God that the kingdom needs on this earth, then you're going to have to learn to stand up and fight. You've got to stand up and fight. Eight times in the book of, of Revelation, Jesus said it. We have to overcome. Walter, uh, Walter Thompson sent, uh, posted something on our men's group app yesterday. And if you're not on the men's group app, you need to be. Come see me after church. I'll make sure you get on there. It's a quote from a man named Lyman Abbott. And it said, do not teach your children never to be angry. Teach them how to be angry and sin not. I don't know if y'all know this, you Christians. Some things need to make you mad. You need to get angry about some things. But you got to know which things should make you angry enough to fight. All right? Fight for the oppressed. Fight for the persecuted. Fight to protect those who don't have a voice, who, who can't protect themselves. But don't just stand there and be a punching bag for the enemy. Don't, don't just let the bully take what God has promised for you. Don't let him take your peace. Don't let him take your joy. Don't let him attack your kids and your spouse and your family and you don't hit back. Don't let him attack your church. See the battle for what it is. Stand up and fight. Amen. You're like, John, I'm tired of fighting. Dude, I know. Me too. So ask God for more strength. Ask God for more endurance, for more wisdom to fight smarter, not harder. Fight, ask him for more power. David said, God teaches my hands to fight. Yeah. 
He'll teach you how to fight if you'll ask him to. You say, John, shh, listen, I don't want to talk about this stuff because the enemy might start planning to attack me if we talk about this stuff. He's already planning to attack you. <laughs> it's like all the dude does, steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's his life. Every morning he gets up on his calendar, it just says, steal, kill, destroy. That's it. Talking about it is not going to change what he's got planned for you unless you stand up and fight. We've got to learn how to fight if we're going to make it. I'm not talking about fighting each other. Because I read you the scripture that said we don't have any flesh and blood enemies. So whoever you think is your problem is not your problem. There's a problem behind the problem. I'm not talking about fighting for your opinions and your rights. We spent the first two months of this year talking about how to surrender our rights and our opinions about lesser things to the cause of Christ. I'm not talking about a scarcity mentality where we feel like we got to fight with each other for limited resources. This is a team. It's a team. It's a body. We're all one. When one of us wins, all of us wins. When one of us fights, all of us should be fighting. We don't fight with each other. We fight for each other. We fight beside each other. We got to stop just caving in. Nobody grows into maturity. This is, you may not be excited about this, but nobody grows into maturity in Christ without getting popped in the mouth a few times. I know we don't like telling our kids that, but you're going to get popped in the mouth a few times. And you've got to learn how to respond. You've got to learn how to just wipe the blood off your lip and then get up and tear into the enemy. You ain't got to like it, but you do have to figure out how to do it. So, John, how do I do that? How do I learn to fight? Well, remember, it's a spiritual battle. And, and we, we sang this in the song this morning, right? We sang it. Every battle belongs to you. Every victory is yours. We, we, sing, we sing another song that says, When I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Worship is warfare. That's why, you, that's why if, you're, if you're kind of a, a pocket person in worship, that's why we harass you all the time. And not just about the position of your body, but the position of your heart. Because worship is warfare. Prayer is warfare. You fight in prayer. You fight in praise and worship. You fight when you keep working for the kingdom despite your feelings and despite your circumstances. You fight by repaying evil with kindness. You fight by blessing people instead of cursing people. By refusing to back down from the call of God on your life. You want Christ to be fully formed and fully developed in you and your kids? Then keep fighting and don't quit. Don't quit. Here, how, listen, this is a dirty little secret of, of, of the fight. Half the battles just keep showing up. We don't teach people that, but that's the truth. It's a fight. It's a good fight, but it's a long fight. Being faithful is the first key to winning the fight. The word talks about perseverance. The word talks about he who endures to the end, right? So get in the fight and stay in the fight. You can't just start the fight. You got to finish it. Be faithful. Be fierce. 
in your warfare, but don't stop. Don't stop. If we're going to see his character and his nature fully developed in ourselves and in our, and in our kids, we've got to learn how to fight. Now, here's the second thing. Learn how to serve. Learn how to serve. Look at Matthew 20, 25 through 28. Jesus called them together, and he said, you know, he calls his disciples together. He said, you know the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those who are under them. But among you, any disciples of Jesus in here, among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Everybody wants their kid to grow up to be the leader. A lot of people aspire to leadership, to accomplishment, to success. And I got no problems with that. I don't think the word's got any problems with that. I think God places dreams and, and vision and drive in people to see his kingdom come and his will be done. Nothing wrong with godly ambition when God puts a fire in your heart. I'm not suggesting people become a part of the mindless masses or the unimaginative managers of the status quo. I'm simply saying that we've forgotten that the path to leading is through serving. And Jesus is the example. His image is what we're trying to develop in our lives, right? And what did Jesus teach us? He taught us leaders serve. Not Lord. Leaders don't Lord. Leaders serve. You take a kid and you teach him to serve. And they'll either develop into a great leader or help the great leader that they follow. Right? Those are two great outcomes. But you take that same kid and you put them prematurely into a leadership position. You take a kid and tell them they're special and they're different and they're great and that they're, they're leaders before they've developed a heart for the people that they're supposed to be leading and you've just created a little monster. You've created either a leader that nobody wants to follow or a follower that nobody's going to be able to lead. Just letting that marinade for a second. Leaders are servants. You want to teach a person to lead? Teach them to serve. Now, Pastor John, tell me about the seminary you went to. I didn't go to seminary. I cleaned bathrooms every Saturday at the church. When they finally put bathrooms in the church. Different story. You want to teach a, you want to teach a person to lead? Teach them to serve. Teach them to serve with love in their heart and the big picture in mind. I'm not talking about grudging their time, paying their dues until the real work of leadership starts. I'm talking about learning to find value in hard work and seeing how all the jobs fit together in order to carry the vision through. I'm telling you, I, I just assume my kids set up the chairs for the meeting as lead the meeting. Samuel, in the Old Testament, great, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, he, Samuel didn't start as a priest and a prophet. He started as Eli's servant. He swept. He cleaned up. David didn't start as a warrior king. 
He started as a shepherd that his daddy didn't even remember he had one. He's like, oh, you're talking about that, oh, my other kid. Yeah, he's out, he's out in the field. I forgot about him. Elisha didn't start as the leader of the school of prophets, even though he came from a wealthy family. He carried Elijah's bags. That's what he did. Elijah tried to run him off. Every day, he tried to run him off. As far as I know, Elisha never worked a single miracle until Elijah was taken up in the whirlwind and the mantle, Elijah's mantle, fell to him. You don't learn to lead by leading. You learn to lead by serving. You say, but listen, my kid, he's special. <laughs> my kid, everybody kid's special. My kid's, a, my kid's a natural leader. You just don't understand. Uh, I remember a kid in the New Testament who was naturally gifted. I think we, it's safe to say supernaturally gifted. By the age of 12, he could ask questions that stumped the experts and have discussions with the best and the brightest of his day. But it's another 18 years before the Bible shows him ever teaching anybody anything. Before it shows him leading anybody anywhere or calling any disciples. His name was Jesus. And even then, Jesus said, I didn't come to serve, to be served. I came to serve. I'm just saying that if you want to imitate the best leader who ever lived, you start and end with serving. If you don't love people enough to serve them, you don't deserve to lead them. And they deserve somebody who does. Effective leadership is about character development, not resume building. Everybody okay? You don't learn to love people at the top. You learn that at the bottom when you get to know people. Christine Kane says, you don't need to get discovered. You need to get discipled. When preparation meets opportunity, God will exalt you in due season. But if you hadn't put in the work, if you haven't allowed Christ to be formed in your character and in your nature, then you'll do more. Your talent and your gifts will do more to rip up the body of Christ than it'll ever do to, to advance it. Learn humility. Learn integrity. Learn to love people. Learn to lead by serving. And then here's the last thing that allows Christ or that, that reveals Christ as he's being fully developed in you. Learn to love yourself. Learn to love yourself. Here's a lesson that sometimes takes decades for people to learn. I'm going to tell you right here today for free and, and save you some time and some heartache. Here's the, here's the great revelation. You can't do everything. You can't. You ain't good. Let me break it down Harrelson County style. You ain't good at everything. You are not Superman or Superwoman. You don't have every skill and ability. You don't possess every personality trait. You are not coordinated in every activity or even just coordinated. There are some things that you just are not built for. But that's not the bad news. It's the good news. That means that you are built for something specific. That you are built 
with a purpose, that you are built with a set of gifts and skills and traits and experiences and abilities. Knowing what you're not good at is just as important as knowing what you are good at. It's one less thing to fool with. So many people deal with so much shame about what they can't do. You need to stop. You've got to stop with the shame. You've got to stop with the condemnation. There's no place for condemnation and shame and guilt in the body of Christ. I don't care who you are or how talented you are, nobody can do everything. The key is to find out what you can do and then leverage that. Just go all in with all of that for the kingdom. Jesus said we have to love him with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, and we need to love each other like we love ourselves. And some of us don't love ourselves because we've bought into the lie that we're supposed to be able to do everything that everybody else is doing. And it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie that limits us by getting us focused on the wrong thing. Christ can't be fully formed in us, fully developed in us when we're hating ourselves, when we're frustrated by our limitations, when we're resenting God for not making us perfect like he made everybody on Facebook. Right? 1 Corinthians 7 says, Jesus has given spiritual gifts to each one of us who are in the body of Christ. That means nobody got left out. In the parable of the talents, some got five, some got two or three, but everybody got something. Everybody got something. Every one of us was created by God himself with ways that we can serve the kingdom. Let me read you a familiar verse and then try to clarify what it means. In in, uh, Proverbs 22, it says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And look at this parenthetical, he, he's, he's, this uh, um, translation is telling us what the words actually mean in the original language. It says, and in keeping with his individual gift or bent, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. That's not talking about taking a kid to church. That's talking about helping, I mean, you should, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but we've misunderstood that through the years to think, if I take my kid to church, then God promised they're going to be Christians the rest of their lives. And that's not what that said. It's not about taking them to church. It's about helping the kid find the way that he or she should go, the way God built them. It's not the same path for everybody. It's helping them discover how God built them, how he wired them, what their particular gift or bent is. And when you help a kid discover how they're built, that it was intentional by God himself and that it makes them unique and gives them opportunities to serve the kingdom, they never forget that because it feels right. It just feels like, man, I've found my sweet spot doing what God built me to do. You will never find a more contented person in the world than a person who finds their lane in the kingdom of God and they're just doing it with all they got. Those kids don't depart from that. They learn to love themselves. They learn to realize that they're good, that they're the way he made them. They learn to let Christ develop himself in them. It would change our kids' spiritual lives if we helped them to do that. 
So parents, this wasn't part of the baby dedication ceremony, but parents, stop comparing your kids to everybody else's kids. They, all they do is learn to hate themselves because they don't think they meet up to whatever your standard is. Stop making them do things they're not gifted for. Quit putting your little nerd out there in the outfield. Bless his heart. Right? You can send your comments to Pastor John. Listen, just because you were good at it or you enjoyed it don't mean they do. Stop reliving your glory days through your kids. I'm just going to move on. I got more to say. I got a lot more to say, but I'm, whoo, Jesus, help me. Have your eyes open to the, it was good too. I'll tell some of y'all afterwards. Uh, Have your eyes open to the particular gifting and unique qualities of your child. Encourage those. Develop those. Say, but but we have to learn to do it ourselves first, right? Some of us are decades behind. Because we grew up with parents making us do the things that they liked, telling us how that we didn't measure up and all the things. You can, you can start today. I wish we could go back and undo the last 30 years, 40 years, 50, whatever it is. But all you can do is start today. So stop comparing yourself to everybody else. Learn to love yourself today. Limitations and all. Failures and all. Start with the foundational belief that you have a gift that God gave you and you are wonderfully and intentionally created for his glory. Some of you have been, have been verbally abused all your life, emotionally wrecked by people in authority in your life. And I want you to know today, you did not get left out. You are not a reject. You are not an accident. You don't belong in the second-hand pile. You're not in the one-off pile. You are great. You have a gift that God gave you. You're great because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Determine that you're going to find and use your gift no matter how old you are when you find it. I, don't, I can't tell you. I wish I had a dollar for every time somebody had told me, well, I don't serve in church because I don't know what I can do. I, I got no skills I can use in church. I don't, God can't use me. It's a lie that so many people have believed that the body of Christ is now handicapped We're missing parts of the body because people have believed they don't belong. I don't think think you can be fully formed until you're serving for the kingdom. Because if that's what Jesus came to do and he's the one we're supposed to be developing in our lives and we can't be like Jesus until we're serving like Jesus did. Using the gifts that he's given you for his glory and other people's benefit in the body. Maybe you got no idea what your gift is. So I told you a couple of weeks ago that we were going to, that Joe and Sarah Thompson were going to help people find a place to serve. If you are willing and, and ready and able to serve, you're saying, I, I don't really know what the need is, but I'm willing to do what I can 
to, to serve, then Joe and Sarah's going to be at a table in the lobby, and they will help you find a place. Some of you are like, I would serve, but I got no idea what I could do. And it's not that I don't know what places are available or what, what the need is. I don't know that I've got anything in me that God can use. They can help you with that too. You go and you give them your contact information. And one day this week, they're going to text you or email you uh, a link to a spiritual gifts test that will help. It's not, gonna, listen, it's, it's not going to read your mail and tell you everything about yourself. It will give you some hints into areas that might work for you as you try to work for the Lord. So go and see them and let them help you get the ball rolling towards, and I'm not trying to do this as a sales pitch, I'm for real towards finding the sweet spot in your life, to finding fulfillment in your life. For some of you, it's going to finally scratch the itch that you haven't been able to reach your whole life. Okay? You're like, Pastor, you just need help. Of course we need help around here. But it benefits you as much as it ever does anybody. I've learned more from pastoring you than y'all have ever learned from me. I've benefited more from being your pastor than any of you ever have from me being your pastor. It works both ways. And I'm telling you, the scale is not even close. The scale, the scale always bends in your favor when you do what God calls you to do. And it's not even about and what he's gifted you to do. And it's not even about a particular office. Some of you just have a skill set that God can use that skill in ways that you never even imagined could be for his kingdom. I had a conversation with uh, Friday night. We had a, a volunteer uh, celebration for the House of Cherith West campus. And we were there and I was talking with the executive director, or the program director here at the campus and she was talking about how easy it's been for them to be here. And a lot of the, the reason, she ain't talking about me, y'all. She's talking about Kirk and Ken who show up every time something breaks at the House of Cherith. And they go in and fix it. And she said it's incredible. You can read whatever version of the Bible you want to read. And you ain't going to find maintenance and repair in there anywhere. But I promise you, ministry is happening because of the, of the skills to maintain and repair the facility. See what I'm saying? You're not going to find a, a, the call of God. It's not in the Bible for you to be the repair and maintenance guy. But I promise you, it's a thing. It's a thing that is huge. Not just for the HOC, for us and many of you uh, other, other men and women who clean and who repair and who serve in, in a thousand different ways at the church. It's not, it's not an office. It's a skill that God's given you and you're willingly using it for his honor and glory. Listen, when I started pastoring this church 11 years ago, I'd already been on staff for 20 years and served um, 15 of it here. And, and I served three other pastors in two different churches. And I knew, so I've been here for a long time, 26, 7 something um, I knew God had called me to pastor this church, but I was scared to death. Um, I was nothing. Here's why I was so scared. Not because y'all are scary. Uh, you're a little scary, but um, because I was nothing like any of the other pastors I'd served. 
Um, I was nothing like everybody said a good leader was supposed to be. Um, as a matter of fact, I wasn't just not like that. I was opposed to it. I didn't know what kind of pastor I wanted to be, but I knew what kind I didn't want to be. Y'all reading between the lines, people? There were no shortage of people telling me what they thought I should do or what I should be. But it took me some time, several years, before I could kind of get my feet under me. And listen, before I could start loving me for who God made me to be. To start embracing what I could do instead of what I couldn't do. You know how many times I wanted to quit? Because I was different. Because I didn't fit the mold. That I didn't meet everybody's expectation. That not everybody liked what I did and how I did it. It's hard to hear that. It's hard to hear that when you've put yourself and your whole life into something. And then people tell you, yeah, that's just not good enough. That just doesn't work for me. But I've come to terms with the fact that I can't preach like Kevin Wallace or Stephen Furtick or T.D. Jakes. And I'm okay with that now. Okay? You just, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just not them. I can't be them. And besides that, the body of Christ already got them. Right? I don't lead like other pastors do. And I'm okay with that now. Covenant Life is not a church like a lot of other churches. I'm okay with that now. I don't try and be like everybody else because I'm not called to be like everybody else. And listen, neither are you. Neither are you. You may find some encouragement or some inspiration from other people, but what God's calling you to do is not going to look like exactly like anybody else has ever done it. When the picture of me fully develops, my picture ain't going to look like your picture. And yours is not going to look like mine. This church's picture is not going to look anything like any other church's picture. The best any of us can ever hope to be is the best version of who God made us to be. You have to start seeing the grace of God on your life and learn to love who he made you to be. And then you have to leverage everything you are and everything you've got for the kingdom. Listen, learn to fight the good fight. Learn to serve and love people. And learn to love yourself for who he made you to be. The culture's not going to teach that to you. It's sure not going to teach it to your kids. The church has forgotten about it. But these are the things that help Christ get fully developed in you. Y'all stand with me, please. I know we've jammed a lot into the service and we're not even done. We got, we got a couple that's going to join the church. Um, but this is the most important, to me, the most important part of service. We're going to take a few minutes. The team's going to come and we're going to sing one last song together. And you need to take three or four minutes at least and let God speak back to you. And let him take this word and apply it to your life. The areas that you need him to minister to you. Maybe you're just tired of the fight. And today is a reminder that you've got to keep going. Maybe you hadn't even got in the fight 
and you just you need that the Holy Spirit to baptize you with His power so that you can stand and fight. Maybe you've just you've been trying to get your way to the top by by climbing the wrong ladder or the ladder that's leaned against the wrong wall, and you got to learn how to serve. Whatever it is, let God speak to you and show you, and then get busy doing it. All right, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for our time together. Lord, what, a, what an amazing spirit in the house today. And I know that it's your spirit confirming your word in the hearts and the lives of each of these people. Lord, so many people love you and know you and you know them, but they just haven't figured out how it is you wired them and what it is that, you, uh, that you're doing in them and through them. I pray that you help us to find that, that we start to find that today. Lord, I pray that you help us to love ourselves because, because we're made in your image, because we're made with a purpose. Lord, I just pray that you call each one of us to the fight and help us to know where to stand. Help us to serve one another. Lord, whatever the need is in anybody's life, whether it's in response to the word, whether there's a big decision in, in their lives that they need to pray about, whether there's a need in their physical bodies, in their mental health, in their relationship health, whatever the need is, Lord, we know that you want to meet those needs today. And I pray that you draw us to the altar and meet us here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.